Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Now launching. Sequence star. Mackie and Judd. We'll see you. Let's go. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Westbrook for the lead. Leaves it short. Paul George, no. The Timberwolves escape. Ryan Saunders, 1-0 in his NBA coaching career in a game that goes right down to the wire. Uh, you know what? It, it, happened, it happened so fast, but my first thought was just um, was just proud of these guys. I mean, that was the main thing. You know, it's just a, it, it is a surreal moment, uh, obviously, one that, you know, you don't necessarily ask for in the middle of the season to, um, to come into a situation like this. Um, but so I, so I respect that. But uh, but it was a surreal moment um, for, for myself. Yeah, yeah that, that was um, you know that was one of the things he, he said he was going to be aggressive. He knows he can get downhill if he can get around the initial blitz um, when when their bigs are up. So he was uh, he did a good job just just keeping keeping attacking. Chip Scoggins, I was not there, but I saw a tweet today at Timberwolves practice. As they prepare for Ryan Saunders' home debut on Friday night against Dallas at Target Center, there was music playing. There was there was there must have been violins playing too, but there was music playing. We have, as Johnny Krasinski of the Athletic tweeted at some point in time, we have entered a new era of Timberwolves basketball. People are actually having fun. Didn't it feel like the other night when you were watching that game that that team could finally breathe again? Absolutely, yes. And I, I thought Jim Peterson had the best comment after a game. I was watching a post game, and he said, I, th- "I think the term was they played joyful basketball." Yes, they weren't constantly being screamed at. They played loose. They played free. Uh, they they looked like they were actually having fun. And you know, and that, that's that's what you everybody just assumed you were going to get with Ryan Saunders. That he's known these guys as assistant coach. A lot of these guys, I don't know, if friend is the right word, but. Um, you know he's he's mingled with him in different circles. They went to his to his uh, to his to his wedding. He's worked with a lot of guys individually, one on one, as as a young assistant. And so, and he's in his age. Obviously, him being thirty two. Yes, he's their peer, and so um, he's going to be more of that player coach. And you know, if they if they get to have music at the at practice now. I don't know that's necessarily going to be more wins and losses, but if you're in a better frame of mind, you feel better about your situation, and you're not getting screamed at every possession of a game, i got to imagine that's going to help. Of all the teams that you've covered for many, many years now, Chip Scoggins, mm-hmm. can you, what is hmm. the most joyless that you've seen a collection? 
I'll go back to you know when we covered the Vikings and Chili and Chili was in a bad mood yeah. or a bad year. That was joyless. But you know, watching the Wolves and not attending practices, but watching them on a daily basis. I was amazed that a team that broke a 13-year playoff drought a year ago looked like it basically had hemorrhoids yeah. all season. and it, a lot of times when you think joyless, you think losing. Now, that Twins clubhouse last year, by the end, when some of the veterans were barking at reporters when they came in, that was joyless. Yes, but, the, but yes. That, that's, that's a bad team that's losing and that's not like Paul's day fault. after day. Yeah, that's not Paul's that's fault. That's not Mulder. But in terms of, that that was the whole thing. And I, I wrote this week that, the executives knew they had a Tibbs problem going back to last year. And I had conversations with people inside that organization where they were just, I don't I don't say surprised, but they were sort of exasperated by they were winning. They're going to get in the playoffs, the best season they've had in a long time. And everybody was miserable. Everybody was mad at Tibbs. Everybody was mad at everything. And they just didn't, couldn't wrap their arms around how to get out of that sort of that situation because he was so unpopular with fans. Yeah, and no matter even and when he they worked were, to be that that way, like he actually seemed to be working. He didn't care. Yeah. Oh, he didn't care. No. Well, at least he didn't project it publicly. I don't now, maybe care. privately. He maybe, but but that was the thing. Is like you get to the playoffs, you're in this long drought, and everybody's angry, and so they knew. And then and then you pile on the the uh, Butler fiasco on top of that. Yeah, there was no as a point of no return. It was not coming back the other way, and so, um, so this is a breath of fresh air. And Ryan has brought a new kind of energy to it. The euphoria is going to wear off eventually, right? That mm-hmm. that spike you saw there, right? that that happens a lot when you have a coaching change or whatever. Um, you get that temporary high, and guys play at a high, you know, emotional level, and everybody's excited. And so I, I'm kind of curious to see once that subsides a little bit. What is their new reality going to look like in terms of you're not expecting that Andrew Wiggins to score 40 points, but what, nobody can keep working. He, he can keep working if like he can that. Get 85% of that, you know, he can continue. I don't expect those statistics uh, from him on a nightly basis, but Andrew Wiggins, there is nothing talent wise mm-hmm. that would stop him from working like he did in that game in OKC and being engaged. Yeah. Like to me, the, the coolest moment I thought from that, from his performance the other night is late in the game. Somebody took a shot. He goes up over two guys and wins a, a rebound and comes down. He got fouled on it. It's maybe a couple minutes left. They absolutely, that game was in crunch time. They had to have that play. And the effort he gave going to get that rebound, you just don't see from him. And so, you know. And the question becomes why? Well, I mean, yeah, he can do that. He's, he's capable. But, but the question to me now becomes. Can whatever relationship he has in with Saunders, can he push the right buttons to where it, you're not always going to have a good game? Mm-hmm. And he may have some lulls, but just not these situations where he disappears for three weeks mm-hmm. and he does gives you basically nothing. Can he continue to play in an engaged manner and attack the way he did and do a little? I mean, the assist he got to the corner to Okogie for that three at the end was huge. Except, and and the key uh, part about that shot to me was if the former coach had been in place with the way that Josh shot that mm-hmm. night, Josh Okogie is nowhere near that floor. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. the coach stayed with him. Now, all right, if you strip away the fact that I'm old, you're sort of old, <laughs> and the the immediate and the immediate thing is to say, well, well, Ryan's been an assistant coach for a long time, mm-hmm. but he has no practical, for the most part, head coaching experience. He's 32, super young. 
the immediate response is to say, this can't work. This won't won't work. But the more I think about this, I say, why not? Yeah. If this is if this is truly a player's league, which it is, right? If you have a system in place that players like and players are galvanized around you, which they could be, mm-hmm. why can't this work? I don't I don't think that there's the assumption it can't work. I hope people don't have that. No, Patrick does. No, I, I think if you're surrounded by here's the thing. If you're young, okay. But if players respect you and listen to you, and I get the sense that these guys do, they we they obviously like him. You saw from the reaction, he's very well liked by the players. But do they respect him? When times get tough, are they going to listen to him? Um, it, does he have good support in terms of his assistant coaches around him to help him out? Because there's going to be situations where he even mentioned the other day that you can prepare in your mind all you want, but when you get in the game and the pressure's going and you got a million right. things, how are you going to react? And so I'm not saying it's going to be a slam dunk, but I don't think you just automatically assume it's going to be a flop because he's 32. I don't agree with that. And the other part of it too, Chip, is Ryan is – also very liked and respected around the league, too. There are a lot of people around the league that look at Ryan and say, yeah, this guy's going to be a head coach and probably a pretty damn good one Well, eventually down the road. Yeah, and and uh, Glenn Mason used to always have a, a saying about some guys where <laughs> Where you know they're Glad had a lot of things. Yeah, they're, they're they're born on third base and thought they hit a triple, right? And so, but th- with with Ryan, I don't think that's the case. He's put in the work. Yeah, yes, he has. Yeah, he's had doors open for him because of Flip and his dad, and um, and that that created opportunity for him. But I anybody who's been around him knows he invests a ton of time in player development. I mean, he sure is does. Always, yeah. he is a grinder, just like. Well, like Tibbs was. I mean, he right. he he has poured his life into becoming a basketball coach, and so it's not like, hey, this is cool. I'm going to show up and you know be assistant. Co-. No, he has worked hard, and that's how I think that's where the respect comes from. Because guys know, okay, this is Flip Son, but he is grinding. Mm-hmm. He's he's worked many many hours trying to get guys better individually and in in film, and so that that's where I think the respect comes from. So the age thing doesn't really bother me. I mean, obviously, there's things that he's going to have to learn on the job, but. I don't doubt that he'll throw himself into it. Saunders said today at practice, get this, gentlemen, that it's been, there's being a strong thought given to roll with a 10-man rotation when Derrick Rose gets back. Oh, imagine yeah, that. Can, can you Is believe, that possible? You, can you believe you can actually incorporate more players? Imagine that. Well, and that's the thing. We were talking about it in the office the other day. It's like, when Rose comes back, I mean, what, what do you, you know, there's got to be some kind of give and take there because I think Tyus obviously deserves well, to be on the floor. And if you're not going to trade one of those guys, I mean, you're going to have to, somebody's got to sit the bench if you don't. Well, but, and there is no, there is no reason other than Tibbs being stubborn, there's no compelling case for guys like Rose to play nearly the mm-hmm. amount of time that they were. That Correct. was just stupid. You lo- you purposely were trying to lose him for segments of games by by needlessly, unnecessarily, and really stupidly running him into the ground consistently. Well, he did that with all his veterans and he just, That's the point. Though. He trusts veterans and not young guys and so his But he was yeah. hurting he was yeah. I, he was actively getting them hurt. Yes. Yes. And so I yeah, I, I hope I hope that's the plan. I hope they figure it out because to me, Tyus has to get the minutes. I mean, he can't go back. And Nikogi has to get the minutes. They can't go back to four minutes a game. Right? Yes. I mean, they need to play. And it, it, to me, even if that means trading Teague or trading Rose, I guess you Who see. Who makes the trades now? Well, it's got to be Layton. It's got to be Layton, right? But, is he going, but, but that's my point. Is he going to be allowed to, to make trades? 
Well, he's gone. He's gone. I, yeah, like, he ain't lasting. If they miss think, the playoffs, he's gone, and I think he's gone regardless. Yeah, I think he's gone too. But you, you have to have a general manager to make trades at the deadline. But and I, you know, I guess it depends on where they're at. If they fall off a cliff here and they're completely out of it, then you know, Glenn Taylor might go to him and say, you know what, Teague Rose. Let's do you, see okay, you, okay, okay. I'll rephrase. Do you trust if they if they do fall off that cliff and things aren't going well and you're saying here are some commodities that I would trade, do you allow Layden, given his background, to trade those players or do you say, you know what, Scott, do nothing. We're going to miss the playoffs. I'm going to to bring a GM in and I trust that person to actually make the moves. Yeah, but if if I, it's a tough question because you know if, if there's a deal there to be made and you know you're. You're going to do it next year. Why don't you do it now? And that deal may not be there down the line when sure. you get a new GM. But is that so, a smart move? Is my point is yeah. is that deal a smart deal or a laden deal? Which have been some pretty dumb deals at times. Yes, um, I don't know. You know, that's something you just got to wait and see. To get, I'm see putting them all on lockdown. I, if if I'm, I guess if I'm Glenn Taylor, I would let Scott Layden do moves, but I would not. And this is just me personally speaking here. I would not allow Scott Layden to do any deal that would require them to take on significant money for next season. So if you're if you're moving Derrick Rose or Anthony Tolliver or Taj Gibson or somebody like that, mm-hmm. if you're moving moving Taj Gibson in this $14 million cap figure, I'm not taking back I'm not allowing him to take back a, a guy who has right. multiple Correct. years of that same you're amount. You're limiting of money. his scope severely. Yes. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're not, not saying go ahead and reshape the whole roster right. at, at, how you see it. That, right. You're not going to allow that. But, but, if, it's if, a, but if you're going to move Taj and take back somebody with the same kind of contract, mm-hmm. but also like a couple of second-round picks, then yeah, okay. you do yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. All right, TCL Broadcast Studios, let's take a break. Come back right now. Uh, Mackie and Judd, Zolgad, and Scoggins filled to join at 4 o'clock. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic. It's brought to you by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And right now, just have one crash to tell you about right now. It's 694 eastbound near Oakdale. It's between 10th Street North and 494 in that area. Uh, on the loop on the east side of the metro there, so be on the lookout for that. That may be slowing things down in your commute. Gentlemen? If uh, Derek is back tomorrow, do you think you might tinker with a 10-man instead of a 9-man rotation? Do you know yet? Yeah, that, that's, uh, I have an idea. I have an idea. Um, that's, uh, that's definitely definitely one of the strong ideas, I'd say, um, I'm, look, I'm looking at. But, you know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm feeling it out, too, and I like to do um, a lot of things off preparation, but a lot of things off feel, too. Um, with everything. Hold on a second. This guy can't get this job. Number one, <laughs> number one, he basically just told Britt Robson that he's not entirely sure. He's thinking it through, and he gave that n- nugget of information up. That's unacceptable. Oh, that's right. And, and then the other thing is you can't play 10 guys. We all know that. <laughs> so if you're not, listen, Ryan yeah. Saunders, if you're not going to be a jackass, you can't do this job. <laughs> yes, that's simple. Yes, send him scream the whole time, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, we'll decide. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? I mean, you can't do this. You fallible? What's going on here? It is interesting. I, I'll, I'll be curious to see kind of what substantive changes you see as they go along. I'm sure some of this is going to be trial and error with him. Um, but, he, you know, he's, they talked about he wants to play faster. You know, that'll he wants to see Wiggins attack more. Um, he wants to play, a, you know, larger rotation, more guys. 
reduce guys' minutes, which would help you play faster, you would think. And so um, I, I think this team, once he gets settled in and kind of figured out roles, what'll work, what won't work, I, I think you'll see some significant changes in, in their style. All right, from Ryan Saunders to who is th- 32 years old to a 36 year old who got rewarded yesterday. Here's Cousins. Gonna let it fly. Gonna let it go deep for Diggs. He's got it. Safar Diggs. Touchdown. A bomb from Cousins to Diggs. We're trying to put a plan together where you're unpredictable. So certainly if you're staying in one personnel grouping at times and you're running it and you're throwing it, I think that can be make yourself unpredictable to the defense. Um, on the other hand, you like to mix in personnel so that they have different people running on the field and they got to de- defend against different people. So I think you try to find that balance of staying in one personnel grouping, and there are some teams that stay exclusively in one personnel grouping, and, and, and there's some thought to that too. But then making yourself difficult to defend and throw out multiple tight ends, then throw multiple wide receivers out. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Kevin Stefanski gets the full-time OC job Uh for the uh, Vikings after, somewhat surprisingly to me, actually, sounding like he was a finalist for the Cleveland Browns job. Yeah, that one kind of surprised me, too. I just didn't know that he had kind of that uh, recognition around the league. And the funniest thing about this, Chip Scoggins, truth be told, is if this goes according to plan, like if this goes as well as it possibly can, a year from now or thereabouts, we're going to be sitting here mm-hmm. having a discussion <laughs> about how are they going to replace Kevin Stefanski because he just got a head coaching That's job. That's how it normally goes. Like if, if they have a good year next year, he got the interview this year. If they the offense performs well next year and it's you know they, they rebound and, and score a lot of points, he'll be a hot name again. Uh, or he'll be a hot name next year, not again. But um, I, I got to imagine... He's going to keep getting interviews if the offense. Oh, most definitely. Well. Yeah. How much do you think can be changed there? Because I think it can be a lot. And well, and offensively, schematically, or just how they perform, personnel-wise, like who well, who's yeah. involved? Because the thing that comes, the thing that I keep coming back to, that I don't get about Flip was the Dalvin Cook issue. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah. Why? Why? Once he was healthy, how can you not basically say, okay? This is my starting point, and from there, look, I got receivers. I've got mm-hmm. a, I've got some pieces here that are pretty good, but how do you not build this thing around now in this game as, as the offenses operate around Dalvin Cook? I think that's what. Yeah, I don't I don't know why I flipped in, but I think that's the way uh, Stefanski will approach it. Well, they're going to fix that line or address it. I don't know if fix is the right word, but they'll address it. You're going to see changes there. I think that's pretty obvious, right? And so you would hope that that's an upgrade. And then I just think you heard Zimmer talk about um, at, at a season ender where he wants more play action, right? Yeah, which makes sense. Which that's he, he believes that's how you set up things. Run the ball, play action, then throw the ball. And so I have to think that he's in lockstep with, with Stefanski on that where it just hit, it was clear him and DiFilippo were never on the same page. They had which polar I'll, opposites. I'll never get, by well, the way, that that whole thing, well, his, how you can go through that process and come away with, with a guy who who sees offense and life, I guess, as differently as you do. I'll never understand. Yeah, they 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 aired. He he did. Yeah. He was. I don't say he was asleep at the wheel, but he didn't pay enough attention. He even admitted he asked the wrong questions or didn't ask enough of the right questions. Okay, you are a college football aficionado. You love the you mm-hmm. love that sport, and you're a big football fan. So tell me your synopsis or surmise things for me here going on in pro football right now. Eight head coaching jobs were open. Mm-hmm. Six have been filled. 
Of those six, five have gone to offensive guys, including Kingsbury with the Cardinals, who, Mm -hmm. by the way, was fired by his college (laughs) program. Are we going in a positive direction here of of trying to incorporate concepts that probably exist in college and have for a while into the pro game, or are we in the process of jumping the shark here? Well, I think it's like anything, trends happen until there's an adjustment, and then a new people figure it out, and then there's a new trend. And I wouldn't be surprised at some point if the pendulum doesn't swing back the other way and you see a rash of defensive guys getting. But this is the new wave. I mean, you look at the way offenses function – in college, and it's a trickle up, Joe, because there's no fullbacks in college football hardly anymore, right? It's spread right. them out, um, throw it around, and you see some of those concepts come into the seep into the and then into the NFL, and then some of the success that Mahomes has had. Oh, and, absolutely, yeah. And, and these quarterbacks, but these are but these are are, are super skilled players. In, in the case of Mahomes, also with really really smart coaches. Like and, and great Kingsbury, skill guys, and great skill guys. But it's, so is Kingsbury? Is Kingsbury really that smart? Or, or I mean, well, I think the, he's Card- good, the Cardinals. In I think their he's press, a great offensive guy, Judd. The Cardinals in their press release, and I think they scrub this eventually. Honestly, put, he's good friends with Sean McVay. Well, uh, <laughs> we just saw a tweet a little while ago where they they had a quote from Sean McVay in his. Uh, so they're they're obviously trying to attach themselves to Sean McVay. Like, hey, he's he's approved by Sean McVay, right. who is this hot? You know, he's one of the hot. Uh, coaches and that offense, and so I think you're going to see teams try to catch up and, and mimic what these other teams are doing. And but it, but you have to, there's a danger in that, right? Because you have to have the right quarterback, the right uh, skill guys, and there's no guarantee that you can scheme the way Sean McVay can. No, and so and that's my that's why I asked the question. Are we in a smart place here, or well, are we in the process of going down a path that's going to be impossible to replicate what the Rams are doing, or what the Chiefs are doing, or those teams? But that this is, it, but that's trends in sports happen. A couple of years ago, the Royals won a World Series based on bullpen, right? Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth guys all throw hundred. And now, every, now everybody's trying to go get bullpen, right? Bullpenning. Yep. Yep. So now that that's the way of the, in baseball. Yep. So. It, Basketball, you got to shoot three pointers. Right. I guess you've got to shoot three pointers. So now this is the way in football is. That's third trend. That's what everybody's trying to mimic and copy. I guess I bring this up because what I'm always curious about is, it strikes me as when we get to a place where everybody tries to tries to copy it, that you've got to stop for a second, probably, and what? say, if you're being smart, is this a trend that can be copied, or have we gotten to a point now where we're just basically shaking our heads and saying? Nothing else has worked for us, so we're going to try this. It, well, I, th- I think there's a fear of... So the, I use the basketball analogy. People look at the way the Warriors shoot threes. And they're like, oh my goodness, we got to shoot threes. Well, you also need Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, you, you need great players. But everybody thinks, if I don't do that, I'm getting left behind. Because that's the way. You've got to be able to score as much as they do to beat them. You're not going to stop that team. So you have to be able to... It's 3 and D, right? Yep. And so... If, if, if you're in the NFL and you look around and you see what the Chiefs are doing, you see what the Rams are doing, you see what the Saints are doing, you're thinking, well, I can't score 17 points and beat these guys. It's not going to work. And so we have to play. We have to be creative and get you know, get what they have. And hmm. there's no guarantees that you will, but I think there's the fear of what happens if you get left behind and you don't try to play catch-up. So 
are the Vikings being smart by by sort of standing pat with their system, or are the Vikings going to get left in the dust by a lot of, of this league, which is going in this trend of let's get a really smart offensive guy? Well, I think you need they need to be better offensively. Now, I'm not saying they have to be the Rams to they have to be as explosive as the Rams because I still think you have to be able to play defense at some point, right? And right. and the way they're doing it, but we saw playing good defense, really good defense number one defense is not going to win a Super Bowl as they're constructed. They've yep. got to be able to add more offensive firepower to it. And Zim put the figure two years ago now at what? 20 21. points per game? 20, 21 points? That's not... It's not feasible though, no, add, right? Add, add like seven to that. Maybe, you know? No, but I, but that's... But my... That's what I'm saying is that he he put the figure at 21, which sounds really great, and, and his defense is really good or can be, mm-hmm. But as we progress here and go down this path of offensive guys now and skill position guys and really good QB play, do you say to yourself, that's a great in theory idea to have, but it's just not possible? Well, especially with the way quarterbacks are now, the systems are, the rules are, thinking you're going to hold teams to 17, 21 points is not realistic probably, right? The the really good ones. And this is where I come back to, are the Vikings in the right place or not? And I don't know. Well, I, I think they're trying to get there. Right, that's why they went out and spent eighty-four million dollars, and that's why uh, you know you draft Dalvin Cook, but they're not there, and they know it. And so, can they get there? We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's do this. Let's come back, and I have a hypothetical, reckless speculation to take Chip Scoggins that you are absolutely going to love. It involves college football. It Ooh. involves the Vikings, and it involves a very, very potentially bold play. We'll talk about it next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Reckless speculation. All right, Chip Scoggins. Welcome to my world now of being able to recklessly speculate about uh, sports in this town. All right. I threw this out a couple of days ago. What's today? Thursday? Okay, I threw this out on Tuesday after the extremely disappointing national championship game on Monday night. Um, If the Vikings do not have a good 2019, the assumption is Zimmer and Spielman are gone. Mm -hmm. I don't think they survive. I think you have to at least make the playoffs, perhaps win a playoff game, but you have to at least make the playoffs. Cousins has to come back, have a better uh, season record-wise. Things have to work out for you. If that doesn't happen, and everybody has shown the door, and TCO Performance Center is locked tight, and basically (laughs) they got to go find a new GM, a new coach, probably at that point they go offensive. And Kirk Cousins, let's say, isn't great himself. And so now he's going into year three of a three-year contract, and he's going to play that out, and essentially, most hope for 2020 is lost. Would you give thought? Would you give thought as the new GM to deconstructing the roster enough, accepting the fact that Cousins, let's just say by that point, we've just decided he's okay, he's not mm-hmm. great, but he's certainly not worth the investment that Rick made in him. And the NFL is impossible to tank in. Yeah. But let's say you don't, let's say you know you're not going to be good. Would you give thought to being as bad as possible personnel and roster-wise 
to try and draft, to try and get in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson yes. quarterback who can come out in 2020. Thank you. Yeah, yes. Thank you very much. Yes. Everybody's on board so far. That that guy would be the number one pick this year, the number one pick next year, the pick number one pick after that. He is, whenever he's coming out, he's the number one pick. And I mean, the thing about it, he's a 19-year-old true freshman doesn't and throwing act, the ball like doesn't that. Doesn't act like it, does it? But, but you know what I love? I, I not only love the ability, the athletic ability, yeah. I, I love the wiring on that mm-hmm. kid. That nothing. He, I have never seen him, and Monday night was no exception, never acts 19. No. Well, you think about it, not only are you playing on the national championship game, that's Alabama's defense. Yeah. That just doesn't happen to Alabama, what he did to him, And he's throwing to a true freshman wide receiver who is making circus catches. So, yeah, I think there will be a... Mad scramble of tanking teams two years from now to try to finish with the worst record to get him. By the way, because he, he transforms your franchise. Whatever franchise he walks into, he transforms it. Absolutely. By, by the way, Chip, that Justin Ross kid for Clemson. Yeah. Oh my I word, know. that kid's going to be special. Yeah, they that had to be painful to see him leave the state right of Alabama to, yeah. <laughs> to go there. But yeah, he's. I mean, you know, he he's he's one of those game changers, just like when Peyton came out. I think. Yes. I think. I'm not saying he's going to be Peyton Manning's career, but he's one of those that everybody will just assume he's the slam dunk number one, no doubt about whoever is drafting first is going to take him. In fact, we posted a Twitter poll a couple of days ago. In a couple of years, if the Cousins era didn't end up working out, would you tank to get Clemson, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence? 72% of that mm-hmm. poll said yes. And here is, all right, so the short-term hurt would be there. Completely get that. It'd be a year. It would stink. It would be, you know, a heck, if you're fortunate, you win one game. Um, but it's not just about the Vikings right now, and it's not it's not about Rick or Mike. It is about the fact that that kid looks like he has the potential to solve your quarterback issues mm-hmm. for eight a to decade. ten years, yeah. a decade. And and think about this, think about this town and quarterbacks. I know, I and know. that team and quarterbacks. Well, I go back to you think about like with the Colts drafting Andrew Luck. He's going to be the you know they're going to win multiple Super Bowls with him, and then it, the injury derails his career a little bit, and now. You know, they're still playing, and, and there's no guarantees it's always going to be smooth, but you see what happens when you have that type of quarterback and he's healthy. It's a shame that he's his career has just been kind of weird here the last, was it been two years, three Luck years? Yeah. With the shoulder, yes, that's true. But he's that type of player where he raises the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. He elevates everyone around him, and that's what I think this, you know, Lawrence is going to be. And so, um, it, the thing is, when you're that bad, you got you typically have bad pieces around you. But that's too. what so, I'm saying. But that's so your defense. Right. So, so would you go the other way? Would you strip away? Well, make some trades, try and get draft picks. That defense right now, of course, in two years, it's going to be this could change yeah. drastically. But that defense right now would not allow you to be bad enough to that's get him. But if problem. Mike and Rick are gone, and I step in and I'm the GM, and I almost certainly at that point go and and get a coach who can work with QBs, yeah. an offensive guy, there is a large temptation on my part to try and solve an issue that has been a problem in this town basically since when? Forever, it seems like. Tarkington? Mm-hmm. Favre was here for a year? So if you so could, you've already moved on mentally from uh, So if you could like. solve that... Oh, I just don't think it's there. I don't think it's... I, don't, I honestly don't think it's there. I don't think he's a bad player. But... When you when you watch him on a daily game by game, snap mm-hmm. by snap basis, I say to myself, does he solve the problem? Okay? Does the question yeah. becomes, 
Does he solve the problem? And and here and here's why I think it's an issue. If I believed in my heart of hearts right now that going into next year, defense alone could win and Kirk Cousins could manage games and be just fine, I would say, oh, stick with it. That's fine. I'm beginning to believe that, and I'm not completely there yet, but I'm, yeah. But that goes back to the last segment and my point to you. I'm beginning to believe that we are transitioning to something where what the Vikings are trying to do might not work. Yeah, and, and I agree. There's been, there was no evidence this year that he is going to be that guy to elevate this franchise to that championship level. Right, you just didn't see it in the big games. He tended to uh, wilt or get panicky in the big games. It got yes, and, it got and, worse. And it's You're not. Right. It, it's it's the easy answer is like, oh, the offensive line is terrible. Who you know? But that, there's more to it than that. There has to be more to it than that. And so, um, I'm not saying he can be that guy. I want to see if he gets better, a better line, uh, supporting cast around. But the wide receivers and running backs really good. Yeah. Um, and there's things he needs to change. But you're right. Nothing to date has led you to believe it's solved. The lack of pocket presence scares me a yes, lot. Correct. He doesn't have the only thing I can go to on on this is the great quarterbacks in the pocket make it look like you could do it, I could do it. Right? They make it look simple. They glide around. They are point guards. When the They're, house is on fire, they but they, they don't, don't look it. Yeah. And you never know that, right? Yeah, yeah. When the house is on fire with Kirk. He threw backwards. He looked like, oh my God, what am I yeah, going to do? He threw a backwards pass. And that was that was when I said, okay, no matter how good things might be around you, if you get to the title game, the conference championship game, things are going to break down. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? And it's funny because I always thought that during the course of the 2017 season, Zimmer's greatest fear was when the pressure was on Case, when it really got on Case, Case would melt down. And so they went and got Kirk and said, okay, but look at what he can do. Mm. And I really think in many ways now, in retrospect, Kirk was more ill-equipped to handle, he's a better quarterback, Mm -hmm. but I felt that he was more ill-equipped to handle all hell-breaking loose than Case was, because Case at least could, he made some dumb moves, but he could have have the wherewithal to scramble out of the pocket and try and keep the play alive. He he, One, he he could scramble more, obviously. He had better mobility, so he, he... how many busted plays did he turn into positive uh, turnout events? But the the more, bigger thing I think with him was he just seemed like he didn't care as much. And I, when, as I'm, no, in a good he way, I cut got, it yes. loose, not didn't care, but like he, yes. he was unafraid. Which is why Zimmer could could go to a podium and say he had a horseshoe. He's got a horseshoe, yeah. and and he might have cared privately, but you never saw him sort of like crestfallen about that. And Kirk, I always felt has become or is a kid gloves quarterback. Like a perfectionist-type personality. But where if Zim went and torched him, I think he'd be brought to tears. <laughs> I don't know about that. But well, I think he'd be close. Yeah. I know, but I don't think he could handle it. But I, I think he would if go Zimmer, the other way and play it close to the vest yeah. so he doesn't well, make I, the mistake. And I think he did. Yeah. I, I think that he melt, I started to melt down more in big games, in part because the Buffalo game. The Buffalo game changed everything because mm-hmm. the Buffalo game was Kirk Cousins at his very worst. Mm-hmm. And what bugs Mike more than probably second most to kickers? Fumbles by quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. ball protect. Yeah. It's ball security. Turnovers. It's Turnovers. not that hard. Crazy. Yeah. Yes. Turnovers, yeah. yeah. But you've got but you've got Kirk Cousins pretty much dropping the football. Mm-hmm. And I felt the Buffalo game changed everything because the Buffalo game after that, I sensed that his demeanor in playing became very, uh, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. Yes. And when you do that, 
you're destined to make mistakes. Well, we didn't see him cut it loose like we did early in the year. Some of those throws. Green Bay. Green Bay, the Rams Absolutely. game. Here he played a lot, lot more safe down the stretch. All it took, Chip. I've you got a tank. I've you got, got it in my notepad right here, too. All it took, let me take you back, 2011 Vikings. Mm. Two unnecessary wins. Do you remember them? Three and 13 mm. team. Carolina, Philadelphia? Carolina lost a game. Washington? Yes, yeah. the Washington game. But you should have gone. You had one 2011 convincing win. Arizona at, at the Metrodome. In Carolina, the kicker for the Panthers missed a field goal or they win. And then the day that Adrian, got Christmas hurt, Eve yeah. game, that he got hurt. Ponder got hurt. Ponder had them on track for a beautiful loss. And Joe <laughs> Webb, that selfish Joe Webb who could actually play a little bit, came into the game and they won. That's and right. Leslie was, that's where Leslie said, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> and I thought, Leslie, I love you. You're one of the nicest human beings in the history of the world. But if you're celebrating this win, yeah. you're crazy because you guys just cost yourself Andrew Luck. <laughs> think about if Andrew Merry Luck, Christmas. think about it. Think about if Andrew Luck was here, let's assume he does not get hurt. Mm-hmm. Did you some of the throws that he made against the Texans? Again, well, Ar- again, my appreciation for that now is so high yeah. because you watch Kirk make throws, and he's not bad, but he doesn't make those throws. But and you remember the Vikings played there was it his rookie year, the second year because he played Ponder, played when he gets Ponder, and <laughs> the talent around him was awful. Mm-hmm. And so that's the danger in your scenario, Judd, is that you have bad talent around him doesn't guarantee even as guys that you feel like are, you know these otherworldly quarterbacks coming out if you don't have the right pieces around them. No, but you can get those guys. You can, And you saw it now. Look what the Colts did with their offensive line. They got one of the best offensive right. lines in the NFL. But no. if Lawrence came to you in 2021... And in, I'd make it work. And then you weren't that right. <laughs> and then, and let's say for two years, you're not that good. He takes some lumps, okay? All right, I'm fine with that. He learns. He starts. He learns. 2023, I'm pretty good. This is not a five-year league now. Yeah, you can do this fairly quickly. 2023, I'm pretty good. 2024, I'm damn good. But most importantly, if you're a Viking fan, if this kid stays healthy, let's say approximately till 2033, 34, <laughs> you've got a quarterback. Tarkington, Chip Scoggins. Tarkington. We covered Favre. Yeah. Fans here who despise Brett Favre who wouldn't have walked across the street to dump a cup of water on Brett if Brett had been on fire as a Packer, were thrilled, rightfully so, because you finally had a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Anyway, so your answer, though, is yes. Absolutely. Tank for Trevor. (laughs) Tank for Trevor. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here. It's brought to you by Consolidated Communications. One crash to tell you about right now. It's on 62 eastbound in Edina between Highway 100 and Highway 121. It's causing about a 15-minute delay there in the southern, uh, southern portion of the metro. Give your business the power to do more with CCI Fiber Plus from Consolidated Communications. For data and internet, voice, managed and hosted, cloud and security services, go to consolidated.com. That's consolidated.com. 
Thank you, Manny Hill. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Phil will uh, step into studio at 4 o'clock. Until then, Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune Sports Columnist with me, Manny and Jonathan Harrison, also on board until uh, 6 o'clock. <clears throat> People rip on my sport, hockey, and I get it. It's flawed. But I want to talk about your sport. Oh, boy. And, I, and I'm not talking about just a generic your <laughs> sport. I'm talking about the Chip Scoggin's love affair with football and college Football, I should say. Mm-hmm. I want to give you a couple of statistics, and then I'm going to allow you to just, <laughs> just defend yourself. So last season, three um, college football playoff games, your semifinals and championship, margin of victory, nine points. Okay, you know, that's cool. Not mm-hmm. every game is going to be great, but nine points, three games, just fine. This year, 22 points. And... I'm even willing to accept that your sport fed me two semifinals that weren't great. <laughs> because then I said to myself, I sat down on my couch and I said, Judd, national championship game. It's going to be a little too long. I don't like that. But nonetheless, it's going to be Bama and Clemson. Fourth consecutive year they're going to play. It's going to be fun to watch this game. And um, let's just say I was disappointed. First quarter was fun. I missed it while watching the Wild Montreal. Yeah. I went. I actually tuned in at halftime because I I thought to myself, okay, halftime's done. I can watch the last two quarter, and it, it was out of control. Yeah, the first quarter was uh, exciting, and after that, it was uh, kind of a dud. Hey, this is as much as I love college football. This is what happens when you have recruiting and not a draft. When you have recruiting. There's always going to be separation, and right? But how now, about the but how about the championship game? Well, they both recruited yeah, it's, a high level. It's hard to understand why Bama played the way they did. I mean, it's you just don't see that. I mean, it's a stunner. I I thought Bama would win because I just I I it's, it's hard for me to to bet against the Nick Saban team in the in a championship game. Obviously, I knew Clemson. You know, was really talented, had a lot of um, great athletes, but those two have just separated themselves in recruiting. Right, yeah. but when they play, then I expect greatness from it's the game. Always, yeah, and it's not always... That's why I'm going to hold your feet to yeah, the fire. It, well, there's, there's no... There's no, nothing I can really do to explain it other than Clemson pounced on them. It snowballed. That quarterback was really, really good. And That's our guy. And then he had turnovers. He had two turnovers uh, by Tua, and that one was a pick six, and that, that completely changed the game. And But... I know I know fans are kind of tired of Clemson Alabama championship games, but guess what? Unless and until someone else starts recruiting at that level, and who's next? Who's got the potential? Do you think? Well, I think Georgia. Um, they're yep. they're right there. I mean, you got to look at the SEC schools. Um, I, I'd keep an eye on Texas. That guy recruits, and you have the infrastructure. And, and Texas the, and the should name, be good. And you should always be good at Texas. Texas should always be. good. Yeah. They look like they're going in the right direction. Yeah, they're going in the right Georgia direction. In the Sugar Bowl. And, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, and so, but it, there's, it's got to be more than a few, you know, everybody else has to, um, but, but they just have those two programs right now are the it programs and they're getting the best players. And so, um, that I, as the sport's still healthy, when you watch it, this was not a good bowl season, even like the lower, the, the, I'm going to stop you right there. The lower, there's no bowls. longer no, a no, good no, bowl no. season. Yeah, there is. <laughs> bowl season to me, there's always. Good games, shootouts, back and forth. I just didn't see a lot of that this year. I mean, I didn't find a whole lot of compelling games, to be honest with you. I think um, there's still a lot of value in watching some of these bowl games oh, on yeah. like New Year's Day. And like the, 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 all due respect to the Gophers, the, the quick lane bowls and stuff like that is 
take them or leave them. It's programming. Yeah, yeah. But like the rolls, there's still a lot of value in. Oh yeah, the if Rose you're part bowl, of the playoff, the sugar bowl. If the if it becomes bowl, the, if if it rotates into the playoff, it's worthwhile for sure. Well, yeah. I I think even even though like I get even a kick like the, I get a kick out of watching Rose Bowl. I like the sugar bowl. I like. You know, sure. cotton bowl. I mean, even though, yeah, even though I, yeah. fiesta, yeah, 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 all that. And um, I want and and I want these bowls to eventually all morph into playoffs. Yeah, like, and I, I do want to expand the playoffs. I've come I around. Going to, I used I to be. I used to be. Let's stay at four because I didn't want to do anything that would jeopardize how great the regular season is. To me, college football's regular season is the best thing in sports. I mean, every game. It used to be one game. You're out. Yep. And I and I and I worried about if you expand it, would it make some of those late season games. Um, let's say Bama's undefeated and they're playing, you know, who have Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Well, under an eight game playoff, if they lose, they're still getting in, right? They're still gonna be one of the eight best teams. And Absolutely, so, yeah. So would it would that take away some of the um excitement of the game? In theory, maybe, but I still think once you get in the game and it's a great game, you're gonna be yes. there's gonna be the the interest in it. And so I, I've come around on I'd like to see it expanded to eight games play those uh, quarterfinals on campus so you're not playing them so if you're a top 4 seed you host and and then and then you can do the the semifinals in these other bowl games now if you did it that way i don't think there's a real appetite uh by the NCAA to extend it into the winter semester so you would probably have to do away with the conference championship games mm-hmm. now that's a big money maker now an eight an 18 playoff would you make Gobs yeah. of money too, but but that's a, you know those conference championship games are a huge money maker, and so it. I don't know how you do it, get around that. So you 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 have some pushback. Is this is not at all to suggest that they're going to completely fall off the map because that's not going to happen, at least not in the immediate future. But do you kind of sense that there's a little bit of a dent in the armor of Nick Saban? I don't because he he. he and and I'm just going off the championship game. They did some really uncharacteristic. Yeah. Well, they they played he made bad. some uncharacteristic coaching decisions too, like going for it's, it on that the fake the field fake goal. Field was, yeah. and like that's just he doesn't do he doesn't only do stuff like that. Yeah, that was I, weird. I, I saw that a lot, and I would just say let's pump the brakes a little bit on. I saw somebody wrote that this is the beginning of the end of the empire well i wouldn't say that you know <laughs> no let's they're not gonna a fall bit. off yeah. and go seven and five but it, next it was you're right they did some things uncharacteristic almost like it they were panicking a little bit yeah. and maybe they were desperate and maybe they saw that clemson quarterback in that offense and said dabble oh, yeah dabble is in saban's head yeah yeah well he did saban the, the one thing about that whole thing that was fun was because i don't think i've seen this before nick saban postgame looked flustered mm-hmm I don't think I've ever seen that man. Maybe when he was coaching the Dolphins, because I don't, don't think I've ever seen him flustered as a college. You coach. don't see his defenses typically miss tackles like that. They mm-hmm. don't get beat by big plays like that. That many, and so I think it. I think it rocked him. I mean, they took a a big punch to the to the head when, with that I, defense. I, you know, I've said it all week when Etienne scored that first touchdown to put mm-hmm. them up because they had the pick six, and then yeah. they had Etienne had the touchdown to put them up fourteen to seven, Clemson. When he he scored that touchdown, the way he knifed through that Alabama mm-hmm. defense, I was like, "Whoa!" Yep. Like, and it, Alabama it, linebackers and corners out of position it, and it, not making tackles. And but I was, will say this: You think that Nick Saban's not going to have the best offseason they've had there in terms of? You think he's going to make some corrections? Uh, <laughs> you think he's going to correct some of those things that went wrong in the national? I don't. I don't game? think they're going to cower and think. I think they're going to go the other way and say 
this is not going to happen again. And so I think it's going to re recharge a bit if that's what the right word is. He's going to have Tua back next year. Yeah. Why did Santa Clara get that game? That seemed like an odd. Well, place to... they're just doing it now for you know you you put up the bid. Are we going to get one or no? Well, to I think Coldner? I think that yeah they put up. Uh, I, I Joe Christian said from my paper, uh, I think they put in the bid, and um, he quoted Bill Hancock, who's the director, that you know it's, it's just not in that first wave of, of uh, locations that they want to give it. And didn't we come close at first? I thought they passed. I, I don't know if came, close. I thought they we may have made like an original running. cut or something like that of whatever teams. I think teams, they but probably do, look and say it's think, too damn cold here. Do you think we'll get a bowl game though? I mean, I'm not, and believe me, I'm not in the camp you of know adding more bowl games. But you know what I want? I want the Big Ten conference championship game. Yeah, that's what I'd like to get. That'd here. be cool. That's what I'd like to get here. And if we don't get that, I don't want a bowl. Yeah. I want a big time preseason college football game here that does not involve the Gophers. Bring yeah, in a big think, time, pay pay somebody ridiculous money and give me give so you know what for once I can be like Chip and go to a college football game and be like this is actually a huge out game. of all Wait. those out of all those things I think the more likely of it it would be to get the Big Ten championship game because I don't I don't think and that might be tough to get get away it would from be hard Andy. yeah get away from Andy and you know yeah. it would be hard um, but I, I, I'm sure they're probably going to put in a bid for it at some point well they should yeah. All right, Chip Scoggins, thank you very much. Talk to you. Uh, Mackie and Judd at the show. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studio. We will be back with Phil after this. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN.